Welcome to Between Data and Risk podcast. Today, we'll be talking about energy from photovoltaics with our guest, Jeff Ellis, Director of Operations at Sanova New Homes, who will describe to us the technology, the operations behind installing it, the economics of it, and the current and future trends. Stay tuned. If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real-life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hello, I'm Artur Guya, Cognition Search Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer, and with me is my co-host, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Maren Civek. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we'll be taking a closer look at photovoltaics, the impact on the environment and on the power networks, and the operations behind photovoltaics planning and installations. We are excited to have with us our guest, Jeff Ellis, Director of Operations at Sanova New Homes. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how are you doing today? Great, great. Uh, let's start with, uh, I'm, I'm going to set you up with a question, right? Are you a fan of photovoltaics given, you know, is, is photovoltaics going to save us? <laughs> that's, that's a loaded question. Uh, and be before I dive into that, I just wanted to make it known that, yes, I am, you know, working at Sonova uh, Energy, but I want to make sure that it's known that I'm not here to disclose any information. I'm not here on behalf of Sonova, uh, just here on behalf of myself. So I want to make sure that that's clear as the publicly traded company that it is. Uh, but to answer the question, I don't think photovoltaics will hypothetically save us uh, by themselves, but they are definitely a piece of the pie that's going to be a lot of a bigger you know, uh, component when you're talking about energy and, and where we're going with energy, when you look at just kind of the overall usage of energy in the world and how, you know, there's still a lot of individuals who don't have access to energy and being able to expand who has access to it and make it uh, you know, a little bit easier to access, a little bit better to, uh, you know, access in terms of cost and in, or in order to make sure that we're not completely destroying the planet and warming it, it's definitely going to play a big role. So I am a huge fan of, of solar and photovoltaics there in, in that regard, yes. Great, um, uh, you know, I live in UK and I have a photovoltaics installation on my house. And it's, it's, a, a, it's a fairly old one, but it's, it's still good. It's still, uh, still doing its, uh, its job. So- Which is one it, of the great benefits of solar, right? It's not one of those, it runs out after a couple of years, it just, they keep working. Uh, so, you know, given given all the talk about the the, the environment, the importance of ESG um, emissions, what what how would you characterize the state of the market, uh, especially in the US, because obviously you are you are US based. Sure, sure. Uh, we the US is really coming to a period of focus uh, surrounding the environment. There's a, a strong narrative right now around reducing fossil fuel use, reducing the greenhouse gas emissions, really to combat climate change, global warming. Uh, so. What we've seen in the U.S. more recently, obviously, you know, solar has been around for a while now, but more recently, we have a lot of federal policies coming into play. Uh, the solar investment tax credit uh, is, is there for the 30 percent of the system cost. So obviously, that's a huge benefit. Um, you actually also have now the Inflation Reduction Act, which even takes it a step further, extends that solar tax credit. Uh, you also have a lot of other 
benefits such as direct payments to tax exempt organizations that hadn't been there before. Uh, so a lot of incentives are there. You also have state incentives, uh, you know, depending on where you're at, you could have, uh, you know, something like uh, different benefits when it comes to, uh, you know, business aspects or homeowner aspects when it comes to state. So you can actually kind of stack a lot of these benefits. So uh, you could really look at things from the standpoint of the uh, the social idea behind it and companies play a huge role here because yes you know if you install solar on your home that's great you know and that's you know maybe a couple kilowatts uh, but it's not this giant you know installations that you could potentially have uh, at the utility scale but corporations have started to you know incorporate this as, as well you see a lot of the big companies like the Amazons and the Walmarts are definitely installing you know a lot of solar so you started to take into account what the business is actually shooting for, right? You know, is their goal just to save the planet? You know, that could be a, a potential aspect of it. But they also consider things such as the corporate social responsibility business model, or even uh, becoming a B corporation, which those things are really about showing the population that they want to do good by, you know, the population, they want to do good by the environment. So they really try to set different goals of treating their employees well, treating the people who they uh, have as customers well, and just treating the environment well. So there is a, a good movement in the U.S. right now to make sure that we're focusing on the environment and the people who live here. So, you know, generations to come can definitely still benefit from the, the beautiful planet that we have. Uh, I have a question about you said a lot about the, the, the benefits and, and, and tax credits and stuff like that. Uh, how is the situation of prosumers? How is the, the, the market of selling the energy, you know, to the, back to the grid? Uh, I know that in Europe, it's a, it's a pretty big thing. You can uh, easily uh, enable or kill uh, the renewables in, in country where we come from. Uh, in Poland, there was a law which actually reduced, uh, uh, reduced the profit from selling the energy back to the grid, and they shut uh, the, the the policy shut the development of uh, renewables. Sure, like that. So, how does it work in 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 the US? Yeah, in the US, it's really utility specific. So, if uh, it really depends on which jurisdiction you live in and who your electric utility company is, uh, they will have their own uh, you know rules and regulations, and uh, you know, they can put in policies in place what they want. Uh, you also can have statewide policies that go through uh, or national policies. So you'll see for a good example, if you look at California, California has been in the news a lot recently for the U.S. because uh, they're currently going through their net energy metering 3.0, uh, which changes the game a lot. Uh, a lot of utilities have been going the, the route of net metering. So they basically say, you know, if your system produces more than you're consuming at a given point of time during the day, they don't want that to just go to waste. So that actually goes back into the grid with a bi-directional meter. And the utility company can benefit and use that elsewhere where they need it. Um, however, a lot of utilities won't set that up as a one-to-one -one basis. Uh, sometimes they do, but then if they're, you know, they, they'll have a true-up period at the end of the year. That if you have more credits that you gave than you used, they don't give you a dollar-to-dollar -dollar ratio there. They'll maybe give you pennies on the dollar. So the utility companies had been set up where you know it was definitely beneficial. There's a lot of positives to stay connected to the grid, uh, and and that's you know usually the best way and, and the most financially sensible way to, to go about it. Um, trying to go completely off grid, very difficult, very expensive. But you look at the situation with the utilities, and obviously they're companies. They want to make sure that they're still in control. They're still making the profits that they are, and so their net metering is typically in a scenario where they're still going to benefit from from that. But then they've started to get a little bit wise as this movement has been going on because they noticed a lot of homeowners were installing solar on the rooftops. 
And if that happens, you know, they're not the ones selling that solar and then they're not selling the energy either, but they're still connected. So they're still in charge of making sure that that grid infrastructure is updated. So they wanted to figure out, well, we want to make sure that we're still getting, you know, our piece of the pie there as well. So utilities have been going about trying to install their own renewable energies, whether it's wind or solar or whatnot. Uh, but they're also putting some more strict net metering regulations in place. Um, I know there's a lot of tier systems. So if you go to a specific system size, they require different, uh, you know, maybe an inter interconnection fee when they do that. Um, or you have to hold, you know, different insurance policies on your home if that happens. And they'll also have different regulations under that net metering where maybe it's a little bit not as incentivizing. So yes, you still get some money back from net metering, but it's not going to be a lot. Uh, and in California, that's why I bring them up. Net metering 3.0 kind of shifts that to making solar not as financially beneficial outright as its own thing. It becomes more beneficial once you add battery storage on, uh, which is what you've seen a lot in the news. So obviously in California, they have a mandate where you have to have solar installed in any new uh, single family residence or multifamily up to three story. And, and you basically have a situation where residents in California say, well, I have to have solar and that's not going to make a lot of sense. So I guess now I have to have solar and a battery. So it does force the hand to go the renewable route, uh, mm -hmm. but utilities definitely play a very large role into making this landscape what it is. Uh, I think, you know, just to, just to shape the, 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 the kind of the perception a bit, because um, I've, I've heard the, the opinion that uh, it's all because uh, energy companies are, are losing their profits. I, I, I did some investigation and just technically, I know that there is a lot of complication going into the network if you're not just having receivers of energy, but they're kind of intermittently supplying. You have to have load balancing. You have to have lots of, of, of management of the network. So there is kind of, let's, let's give some uh, kind of honor back to the, to the energy companies. They are taking a, a lot of responsibility and a lot of, they, they're doing a lot of work. To actually make make this make this uh, work, I I kind of wanted to to uh, touch on something something you said because uh, it is it is kind of the the micro generation that is obviously drive, driving this and they 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 will at some point go into batteries. Currently, there are not that many good battery uh, at least I don't know of ma of many good battery solutions for for the house and they are the AC systems DC systems Tesla Powerwall has been obviously uh, making making rounds uh, so do you do you think that the current technology that that's uh, available is sufficient to respond to that need or do we need a technological breakthrough before it actually is totally viable yeah, definitely. Uh, to address the first point, um, I, I definitely 100% agree that it's not necessarily, you know, utilities are, are the boogeyman and they're the ones who are responsible <laughs> for every, all the all the negatives. Um, they are businesses, right? They're trying to make, uh, you know, a, a living as just as we are. And we would not be able to go the route without them. The infrastructure is extremely important. Uh, it it is, does fall on them to make sure that things are handled, right? You think about the idea of if you have one power plant supplying power, that's one thing. But now if you have 30,000 systems in your jurisdiction that are periodically, you know, feeding energy back in, you know, the data there that you need to have and then to be able to analyze all of that and be able to process that and have operations run off of that becomes, you know, exponentially more difficult. So obviously, yes, they, they should be, you know, paid for that service because it's getting more and more difficult. Uh, so it's, it's a delicate balance, right? You, we need the utility companies. They play a huge role for all of us. 
homeowners want to have, you know, the idea that they can have renewable energy and they can kind of do their own thing. Uh, so it is a delicate balance back and forth to make sure that it's fair on both sides, really. Uh, and I don't have all the answers there to how, how to make that fair. Uh, that's for a lot of people higher up than me. Um, but to talk about the technology that we currently have, there are definitely good options. Um, but when you look at battery storage, it is still early on. So when you look at solar early on, if you go back 10, 20, 30 years, we had solar. It worked. There were very low wattage panels and modules, and, and they were not you know, as efficient as they currently are. But with the technolo uh, technological breakthroughs we've had, with the funding, the research and design that's gone into different things, you know, obviously we've, we've grown and we're at a point where these solar modules are, are very good now. Uh, they're definitely not at the point where they are you know, the, the lab uh, level, but you know, we're, we're still making progress in getting there. I think batteries will get there as well. Uh, I think you can couple a lot of things, though. You're probably going to see a lot of different technological advancements with the materials utilized in the batteries. You see, you know, yes, you have, uh, you know, specific types currently, but I've, I've read a lot of different aspects of different materials being tested. So you will probably see some things that come about. And it's honestly never going to be a one thing to, to solve all problems. You're going to have a mix, much like if you look at cars on the road, you don't just have a Ford, you don't just have a Chevy, you have a lot of different makes and models. It's going to be the same idea. You have a lot of companies, you're going to have a mix of wind, uh, you're going to have a mix of photovoltaics. Uh, you're probably going to still rely on some fossil fuels as well for certain, uh, certain circumstances. So you will have technological breakthroughs and advances, and that will help speed uh, the development. But I think you know the most recent numbers, even though all this talk of renewables is there, still the number of households that have solar on the roof is still very small percentage wise. Uh, the people that, who have an electric vehicle still very small percentage wise. So we will see more adoption as time goes on. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of it talks about profit and just companies. And when you have companies that get into a space, Tesla is an, an amazing example because they got into a space of saying we want to make an electric vehicle. There have been electrical vehicles in the past. They had been successful, but there hadn't really been a lot of profit around it because you hadn't really had a giant company that wanted to devote itself to that. That pushed the envelope and it transitioned over. And now all of a sudden, every single car company has an EV coming out. So you see transitions like that. So once companies come in with the technological advancements that they need and a new space is developed and money can be made there, that will obviously you know push us into that realm. Yeah, yeah you you, you mentioned uh, two two words at the beginning, uh, which which are kind of the the magic words for what we what we the direction we want to go through, and that's data science, right? Because uh, there is a lot of data science that that goes into it. Marian, you uh, you definitely want to speak about data science, right? No, I don't. Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I used to work in the in the research uh, institute. Uh, dealing with photovoltaics, so I know that there is a lot of data challenges still, uh, especially in, in connecting with interconnecting with multiple uh, yeah. different prosumers and uh, making sure that the loads are are uh, at the house or, or or the factory level and on the on the city or or the grid level are combined. But uh, I'm I'm not sure if it's the direction that we that we should follow because you know. Our motto here is what works and uh, what doesn't uh, in the in the in business operations. So uh, we would like to ask you about like you have a company which is very much involved in installing uh, photovoltaics on the, um, uh, at the at the at the house building level, uh, if I understand correctly. So I'm really interested. 
like what are the challenges what are the differences between like operational this let's start with the crew that comes to the house what are the differences between embedding it deep into the house structure and you know putting you know some slapping some pv modules on the on the roof and hoping everything will be will be good so if you could you know walk us through the there is op- operational so people can understand what your business does and then we will we will move maybe to 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 what data could be used and what are the risks there sure definitely uh so uh you know my my position at sonova is in the east region uh for director of operations for sonova new homes so when you really look at when you install the solar if you're going to install solar on residential homes you can do it as a retrofit, they call it, or on existing mm-hmm. homes. So basically, if a homeowner already owns a home, they say, I want solar, they can obviously contact a company, get a quote, they can go that process. And like you said, they slap solar up on the roof. When you go the route of putting solar on when the house is being built, whether that's a homeowner says, I want to you know, build a house and have it have solar, uh, or the model that we go through is that we work with home builders. And when they have communities that come together, they decide the entire community will be solar. So we just work with them to make sure that each home has solar. It's usually for a specific offset based on the house's electricity footprint that we expect it to have. So based on the orientation of the home, maybe the house has 10 modules, maybe it has 15 modules. We usually shoot for a, a percentage offset or you know a specific lease rate that we would try to get for that homeowner. But it's actually much easier when you're talking about trying to install solar when you're doing it when the house is being built, because obviously you have more access to everything that you need. If you're trying to do the retrofit style, when you first go out, uh, you know, you do a site visit, you understand how the house is set up, right? What is the current energy usage that you have? So you check a bunch of past electricity bills from the homeowner. You try to check if there's attic access, if the trusses in the roof are running the way that you want to, or what type of roof material you have. Uh, does it make sense in that area? There's a lot of questions that you ask. And then obviously you have to figure out how am I going to run the electrical? A lot of the times you run exterior conduit, so PVC piping or metal piping on the outside of the home to run your wires. So it's not as seamless, uh, basically. You basically can see a lot of, of what you're putting on. You know, you can see some of the wires, some of the piping, some of, you know, the sometimes you have roof connections and, and different, you know, uh, electrical running on the roof. So it's not as pretty, if you will. Plus, especially if you have vents, a lot of people, if you go outside and you look in your roof, there's going to be a lot of vent, a lot of, uh, you know, HVAC vents or plumbing stacks. So you have to avoid those when you're installing as well because you can't cover up those to, uh, based on code. So if you have an existing home, the end product is not going to be as pretty. It might be a little bit more difficult to kind of drill through any tile that you have to get that installed. On the flip side, if you're doing it on a new home, we basically kind of install when we can get in it, when it lines up with the rest of the home builder's installation schedule. So we'll have everything in hand based on the architectural designs that we know this home is going to have. And then when that home is getting built, once the framing is up and before it gets drywalled, the electrical can be run in the walls, just like any of the other electrical. So it is hidden. It is seamless. We can you know, go through walls and we can install different boxes on the inside or the outside when we need them. And everything kind of sits for a while once we get that electrical in. And then once the roof has been done and you have potentially, you know, the shingles right before the tiles go on, we can then go up and make sure that the rest of the system is installed. So it's very seamless. It's very clean. It's very neat. If you look at one of these homes on on the new home construction, it looks like it's supposed to be there, right? The designs <laughs> are usually, you know, not split. There, there's no vents because we make sure that, you know, we're going to install where there's no vents or we, we get vents moved if there's going to be a vent in that way. You don't see a whole lot of, you know, pipes running along the roof or anything like that. So it's 
it's much easier if you time it well, but that's obviously where the data comes in, right? The timelines, making sure that you can line up with the home builder is very important. Um, but that's those are the big ish, uh, issues you see with the existing home. Like it just takes a lot more time to kind of plan it out, whereas we kind of know what we're doing on the new home side, and we can do the same thing over and over again very quickly, very easily. Uh, I actually like to jump back, uh, just came back to my mind, the, the, the data question. Because uh, when I was, let's say, working around TV, we, we did some calculations. And in example, in Poland, it was... Uh, when you when you mentioned that a lot depends on the on the house orientation towards let's say sun uh, usually uh, in Poland it was possible to install bot installation and come out profitable there's just not enough sun and at the then prices it was over ten years ago but at the then prices it was just impossible to make it pro pro profitable. Like, where is the line in the US, like, where it is just a business decision, you know, not taking into account tax credits, just like, you know, I'm, I'm honestly not, not sure what, how the, the prices change and effectiveness of, uh, I, if I remember, it's like 18% or something like that when we work on it, and it was like the, the theoretical capability, it was like 23, so it wasn't, I, I don't believe the jump was, was exponential. So, mm -hmm. uh, is it possible, like you know, to to come up with an idea? Okay, I will now, you know, make money on on on, or at least come out to to, to zero. So, how far south I need to go to make it feasible? <laughs> it's a, it's a good question. Here in the United States, honestly, everything makes sense from a uh, latitude perspective. Um, it's it's fun because I actually live in the state of Florida, and you think, oh, Florida is great, right? It's super warm, it's super sunny, right? That that's going to be a great opportunity to install solar there. Um, but interestingly enough, uh, solar photovoltaics don't work as well when they get too hot. So when you get to the warmth of Florida, you would think, oh, there's a lot of sun there. It also rains here almost every single day in the summer. So you get, you know, passing cloud cover here and there. Uh, so you're not going to have, you know, full days of, of bright sun. Uh, yes, we are, you know, close to the equator, more farther south, uh, where, you know, we actually line up and the sun is more overhead during the summer. So that's great. But because of that added heat, it can actually reduce. So you're when you're looking at kind of like those perfect locations, if you have a, a dry location uh, that it doesn't get too hot, that's actually really good. Plus, you even get, you know, some locations north in the winter when you have snow. Yes, the snow could cover the panels, but the panels usually allow, you know, that snow to kind of slide right off when it starts to melt a little bit. And there's, you know, easy ways to get that snow off. But you actually get the, you know, incidental rays for off the sun as well to get additional, you know, like hitting that uh, those, those solar modules. So there's not necessarily a perfect location, but there's a lot of factors to take into account of what the temperature of the area is, what your climate and, and weather are like in that region. Uh, so it's less so considering all of that, but there's, there's really great software programs out there now that you just kind of plug in the address that you're planning on putting solar on. And it knows, let's take all of the you know data we have from the past experiences of the weather that have passed by over the past X number of years, and we can come up with an estimate of if you put a solar panel at a tilt of you know this many degrees in this orientation, this is how much that's estimated going to produce over the course of the next year. So these you know software programs give us really accurate information. So we can say you know based on everything we've seen in the past, if you install this many modules on this roof base, this is what you're going to get, and that's going to turn into this much of an offset of your money. So it's it's very good that we have those software programs because aside from that, yes, you would be doing some some pretty hard calculations. <laughs>
I remember. It's not 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 something that I would do in my you know, free time as a bed, bedtime bed, bedtime reading. So uh, it is it is kind of uh, you know past past trends. It it, it always kind of comes comes to me because I'm. I'm i have a financial background and uh, you know past trends are not a reflection of future performance but that's in this is one example where it probably works pretty well uh and uh, but uh you know in in this case when you when you when you do plan it obviously you take into account not only the weather but as you said before you take into account uh, the 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 square footage of the house the the, the family that's going to live there uh but moving away a bit from residential, do you all are you also in, involved in commercial installations on on commercial facilities? And uh, is 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 that any different? Uh, yeah, definitely. So so my role does not deal directly with commercial. I know uh, we we do have an, an arm that does handle different commercial, and obviously you know solar gets installed on, on commercial facilities uh, quite a bit. The big difference when you're talking about the residential to commercial, obviously, is just the scale of it, because, you know, understanding what you're trying to offset is very important. Uh, a lot of commercial buildings, when you look at it, there's going to have very specific times, uh, commercial or industrial, very specific times where you're going to need a lot of, of load, when you're not going to use any load at all. Uh, so it's, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a commercial building that, you know, closes at 6 p.m. at night, then obviously, there's going to be very little that you're going to need after that. So, you know, obviously, if the sun is still up at that time, where is that energy going back to the grid? So you really look at the scale of what you need, the, the load of when you need it is, is the big ones when you're talking about commercial. Uh, but at the end of the day, really, you're, you're trying to accomplish the same things. The materials might be a little bit different. So you might not go the route of a single microinverter under every single module if, if you're doing that large of an install. Uh, the you might go the route of you know just very large inverters instead of microinverters per panel. You might, however, do an optimizer. Uh, they have optimizers that do you know one for every two modules to cut down your costs. So you kind of change up the materials that you're using a little bit, but the same general ideas play out. Uh, it is just obviously very important to make sure you understand what they're looking to do, what they're looking to offset when they're using that energy. Uh, and you know that that is a benefit when you're talking about when you're looking retrofitting. If you already have past data on here's the energy bills, here's when the energy is utilized, you can build something very easily around that. If you're trying to start from square one, you're saying this is what we assume is going to happen. We don't know, right? If that commercial building and structure, if you're starting right out from day one or residential building from day one, you don't know if that gets sold to a different company that has different requirements or different family that has different family members, or they start adding on five electric vehicles that they're trying to charge at the same time. So you do the best that you can with the data that you have uh, to kind of reduce that risk. Uh, but obviously, there's always going to be changes and, and modifications can be made. But that's also another great thing about you know these solar systems. You can add to the systems when you need to. Uh, majority of systems, if you install them without battery storage, you can add battery storage on later on. So it's not like if you just install a system, that's what you get for you know x number of years. You can modify the system as you need to as, as you go along. That was actually my next question. Second question. The first question that I had, uh, but let's reverse. Sorry. Uh, so when you build the system as you do, so you build it at the construction time. Uh, how much modularity is like? How much of it is you know done and dusted and you know hidden in the walls and uh, untouchable? And how much it is modifiable, if there is such a word, uh, later? 
Yeah, so the big one that, that's hidden are really just kind of the electrical wiring that you're running from the rooftop portion down to get to your solar breaker. Uh, so a lot of the times you can even be able to, uh, you know, snake various wires if you need to. Um, obviously, if you had, you know, some type of issue, you would have to open a wall to get to it, much like any electrical that you had. Uh, but modifiable, you could definitely go the route of switching out modules if you had to, uh, if the spacing was kind of similar, uh, or, you know, if, if you already had those attachments and you wanted to upgrade to a system, if those modules were very similar in size, you could definitely do that. If you wanted to upgrade to a different microinverter, you could do that, a different combiner box, different, you know, battery. Those things can all be changed and altered. Uh, obviously, it's just, you know, the cost of labor and getting that material, but it's it's a pretty nice system where you can, you know, take some parts off add different parts, you know, depending on your needs as you go through. Like plug and play. Basically, yes. Now, the big uh, aspect that everybody loves about photovoltaics is that there's, you know, no moving parts. So it's not like you have something that's going to wear out after a while. The modules do obviously degrade over time. You know, the top panels do have the warranties that say they'll stay within, you know, 80 or 85 percent. Uh, of their original production based on, you know, 20 or 25 years in the future. Uh, but it's not like even at that point, they stop working. They still work, uh, you know, so obviously mm -hmm. you, you have that. Uh, I don't know how long ago, Arthur, you had your modules installed on your roof. But, you know, even if it's 20, 30 years, they're going to keep producing. Is it going to be a little bit less? Could you change them out for a more efficient panel? Sure. But it's not like you're you're getting absolutely nothing on your return at this point. Uh, they're they're about eight years old at, at the moment and they're producing. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, plenty of time. The part that needs to be exchanged occasionally is the inverter, right? Because uh, I was I was told by the previous owner that in about five years' time I will have to look at a new inverter. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of and it, it's it's just you know safety. But talking about risk, I wanted to to ask you about uh, about risks. You you did mention that there's uh, obviously um, certain considerations that you 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 have you have to take. What would you say is the biggest risk? Uh, we've talked about benefits. What's the biggest risk of install installing photovoltaics on your house? <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely, you know, there's, nothing ever comes without risk. Um, and actually, as a, as a quick aside, I was thinking about the, the title of, of the podcast here, Between Data and Risk. And the, the original thought I had was, oh, it's very interesting because on one side, you have data where you have that knowledge and information so you can make decisions that are informed and not so risky. But on the other side, you don't have, you know, those data. And that is a more risky scenario. Uh, but it also made me think that it doesn't necessarily mean that if you have that those data there, that you are 100% always going to be not risky. You might not know how to <laughs> interpret those data or analyze them. So you could still be you know, taking a risk if you don't know what those data mean. Uh, and you can also decide to make a riskier decision, you know, for that potential bigger payout if you wanted to go that route. Uh, so it's, it's a very clever title, I think. Um, but when Thank it comes you. to solar photovoltaics, uh, I think risks are typically minimal if you have qualified professionals doing a good job and utilizing quality materials. Obviously, like anything, you are dealing with electricity. So if you have somebody who's installing your system who is not knowledgeable, who is not properly trained, there could obviously be a risk, right? And that's why you know we try to make sure that when solar is installed, you're following the National Electrical Code, the the cycle that is adopted by the jurisdiction that you're installing in to make sure that we're, uh, any type of fire codes, any type of electrical codes are, are adopted, that you have fail safes in place if you need to. The materials that are used these days are very, very smart when you're talking about the microinverters or inverters or combiner boxes that are utilized for these installs. They have very good components in them so that they know to automatically shut off if something is going wrong. 
But obviously, if you have it installed incorrectly, there could always be an issue electrically that could hypothetically start a fire. Uh, we've seen that in, in the news a couple of times in some of these bigger commercial installs that, you know, a section of the roof caught fire where the solar is. Um, obviously, if you're not doing something properly or to code when it comes electrically, there could be issues. Uh, and similarly, if you're not installing to structural code and you're not, let's say, installing on a roof and you try to install those lag bolts into the trusses of the roof and you miss on one, that could lead to a roof leak if it rains. Uh, and obviously, that's not beneficial for the homeowner. So <laughs> if you're installing properly and you have experienced personnel doing that and you're utilizing material that is new and, and warranted and, and quality, there is very, very minimal risk when it comes to solar. Uh, even every component, when you're talking about the risk to you know, the utility grid, uh, you have the anti-islanding that takes place with the inverters mm -hmm. that basically say, you know, if there's a blackout or a brownout and you know, energy is cut from the grid, your system automatically shuts off and doesn't feed anything back into the grid, which protects any line workers that would have to hypothetically go out and work on those lines. Um, a lot of people think it's, it's one of the biggest issues that people say, oh, I want to go solar because I want to be able to have, you know, electricity when the power goes out. Well, you can <laughs> if you have a battery installed because that kind of circumvents that and then you can use from the battery. But if you install currently solar on your roof and you do not have a battery, you're not able to use that because of this anti-islanding. So people think, well, it's just on my roof. Can I use it? Well, it's for safety reasons that you can't, but we're going to see technological improvements. <clears throat> We've already seen and heard that individuals are working on this currently. The inverters are getting even smarter so that they can kind of act as that, you know, circumventing. So like we talked about, you know, as technology improves, uh, a lot more people will say, oh, well, you know, now I can have that energy backup when the sun is out, which would be really beneficial without a battery. It makes more financial sense. I'll adopt that. So, yes, there's always going to be risk, uh, but you can definitely minimize that if you go with qualified personnel. Uh, I, it was a surprise to me when uh, when we first had the blackout after we moved to this house and uh, I thought, oh, it's bright day, I will have electricity. And it's like, nope, <laughs> you're cut off. Uh, and and yeah. speaking speaking of risk, I, I just have to share with you this, 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 this video that I saw yesterday. Well, I won't be sharing the video, I just describe it because I was looking at battery solutions just to kind of be a bit more knowledgeable when we talk. And I saw a video on YouTube of two guys trying to connect the 24 volt uh, truck batteries into the sockets in their house as battery storage. Obviously, don't try this at home, disastrous uh, results, uh, but it was hilarious. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, but, and, and, to, and to that <laughs> point, you know, you, you're also getting to the, to the aspect of this really cool idea of the bi-directional EV chargers for the electric vehicles. Uh, you have some of these companies that now have the chargers and the batteries in the cars themselves that you can charge your home via the car battery. And that is just kind of a game changer because when you look at that, right, you now have an additional option. You don't have to hypothetically have these batteries that just sit in your home and, you know, are only used during blackouts. Obviously, there are some utility areas where you do want to cycle that battery on a daily basis. In Florida, a lot of the utilities are really good with their net metering. So, you know, they usually just sit there unless you have, you know, a blackout or a power outage because of a hurricane or, you know, whatever type of uh, incident that you experience. But now you can go the route, you know, and we talked about the technology, uh, technological advancement. You have a battery in your car that you can use on a day to day basis. And then if you do suffer some type of catastrophic situation like a hurricane, you plug that car in and that's going to charge your home. So it's another option, right, that we're going into. So it's kind of a 
you might as well kill two birds with one stone, if you will, uh, and, and have that option to be able to drive the car with the battery and then also use it to charge your home. So you're going to start seeing more and more advancements that are, you know, really uh, intuitive. Of like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, why don't we think of that before? Right. We, we should go that route. Actually, it makes sense because you either run or you stay. So you will either use your car, car <laughs> or you won't. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can hear the, the kids howling when, uh, you know, parents are going to the shops, so you stop playing Fortnite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I have a question because uh, in my, back, back in my days, uh, we were working with companies working on, on pretty interesting technological solutions like, uh, I don't know, uh, Transparent uh, photovoltaics or or photovoltaics built into the tiles that you you know put on the roof. So, uh, can you tell us like you know how business relevant are, are these solutions? Or if if you are a homeowner and you don't want to have the square modules, uh, did it move since then? I, I must admit that I I didn't check. Maybe I should, but I remember they, they were pretty successful. Let's say lab tests back then on this on the styles and 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 and, and uh, the companies working with us they were producing them in a short series but are there like architecture when we when it comes to architecture like are there other options than just you know panels? yeah there's there are definitely more options and more options keep getting tested uh it is very interesting to see the developments there, what works, what doesn't work, what might work in the future. The idea of a solar module on a roof has worked for a while. It still works. And if done properly, it can look very aesthetically pleasing uh, and very good. You also have these companies that think, well, let's let's figure out if we can make it even better aesthetically pleasing and, and kind of hidden more. So, uh, you know, the idea of the, you know, the, the roof tiles that Tesla is trying to do, uh, the, the shingles that there, a couple companies are trying to do. Uh, I've even heard of, you know, the, the thin film that can basically just be laid over. Uh, I've heard of spray paints. You know, there's solar that can go into uh, window panes that you don't see, you know, from the inside, but that, it you know, technically kind of dims it a little bit. And so it's there are just so many different applications that are coming to market that people are trying out. Now, obviously, a lot of these are not going to have you know, as much of a production, right? Because if you're trying to install a solar roof tile that looks really nice, like an actual roof tile, the whole thing is not going to be a giant solar cell, right? Especially if it's one of these curved S tiles, right? There, mm -hmm. It's not always going to face you know, the way that you need to. Plus, we talked about trying to orient these modules in the direction we want to. Here in the United States, south facing is the best based on, you know, where we're currently located in our hemisphere. So if you have solar roof tiles, you actually have a situation where you say, okay, well, you know, these ones here will be solar, but the other tiles will just be regular tiles still. Or if they are solar still facing north, they're just not going to produce as much. So you might have an entire house covered in solar shingles or sh solar roof tiles, and you're probably not going to get as much production as if you just stuck, you know, 10 or 15 modules on because those are highly concentrated, highly efficient right there. Here you go. So it is kind of a trade-off, right? Uh, a lot of times you're going to see, you know, do I want to go the route of something that's better financially or just something that's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing? You're probably going to find a nice mix of individuals who like one or the other. So it's it's nice, again, to have the options. You're not going to have a single brand that solves all problems. You're not going to have a single renewable energy that solves all problems. But it's nice to have different options for different homeowners to adopt based on when they're ready to, with, when they see what they like. Uh, I guess, you know, it's like everything when you when you're building a house, some people like a standard bathroom, tap, 
toilet, whatever. Some people like Italian styled, you know, bathroom furniture, and uh, yeah, sure, it's, sure. it's 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 gonna be the same. Uh, but Which reminds uh, me, reminds me, my my brother is an architect, and uh, he had a client where he did some interior design, and the the wife of the client came and asked why this is like here. He said, oh, because it's you know works with that. There's a color, there's a shape. Yeah, but it's not the most expensive. Please replace it. I've seen the more, more expensive stuff. All she wanted was to have the most expensive stuff that was available. And it didn't matter to her how it works altogether. It's just like, okay, I, I've seen more expensive, I don't know, tap. Please replace it. I've seen more expensive you know, toilet seat. Please replace it. You're so just There's also an option. similarly i've 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 talked to homeowners when they've been considering solar and they say you know based on my roof you know i I don't want to see the panels i think they're hideous i think they're ugly put them on the back of the house i want the the benefit from it but i don't want to see them you've had to say well that's the north face you're not going to get nearly as much production it's going to be you know really not good for your your financial investment here you definitely want to stick them on the front doesn't matter do it anyway okay homeowners call right it's their money yeah, it's, it's what course. they want to do so installations can go wherever the homeowner in theory wants them in the basement uh, exactly and so it's you know <laughs> it's their choice of what they want to adopt right and, and you might have a homeowner say well i don't want solar panels i think they're ugly but i would do the solar roof it could be five times more expensive but they, they could be fine with it so again um, absolutely having different options is good because it just gets more people adopting into that renewable energy yeah and uh, you know, besides, uh, I know that it's slightly outside of your 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 domain, but I I, I do want to get your opinion. Uh, apart from solar, uh, some people go wind turbines, but obviously wind it's uh, it's much harder to get any benefit on the the kind of micro scale. That's why we have huge wind farms. But are there any other? environmentally friendly sources that uh, could go alongside solar in uh, kind of either micro or maybe small business settings that people could consider? Uh, I do know that one of the big things in the news cycles recently, uh, and rightfully so, are are heat pumps. And I know heat pumps are definitely playing a really big role. Uh, Not really so much in Florida, because we have enough heat in Florida. So we don't really need heat pumps. I mean, if if there was like a a cool pump uh, of sorts, I definitely think we would do that. Uh, but there are definitely locations that benefit from heat pumps. So I think that's you know, going to play a big role moving forward. This small scale when it comes to uh, you know, the, the wind power is definitely more difficult. The, the large turbines do a great job. Uh, so it's, I would honestly assume that moving forward, you know, you're, you're going to have the, the niche options that come out that we just don't know about yet that some people might adopt. Uh, I, I've seen like that, that uh, solar flower that they have that you know, opens mm-hmm. up and then like you know, tracks and follows. And, you know, a very beautiful looking, aesthetically pleasing option, you know, if that's what you're into, obviously very, uh, you know, costly, but also at the same time, like talk about not as efficient as just putting modules on the roof. Um, so you're going to see different things here and there that different homeowners could adopt or even small businesses could adopt. But you're also going to concurrently see really large scale utility, uh, different systems come on, whether that's solar or wind farms. You hear a lot about, you know, again, we're trying to figure out how to solve multiple problems at the same time. The idea of trying to throw a whole bunch of solar modules over top of bodies of water or, uh, you know, reservoirs to make sure that the water doesn't evaporate as much, but you're also gaining the benefit of the solar energy. 
seems really smart, right? And you're not sol- you're not having this issue of people complaining, oh, there's this giant solar field down the road for me and I don't like the look of it. Or, oh, there's this giant wind farm in my backyard that I don't like. Well, stick it offshore somewhere. If we have the technology to be able to get the energy back in, no one's going to see it out there. Plus, the winds are much stronger off, you know, out at sea. So that's a benefit, uh, you know, twofold. So we are definitely going to see plays that come up on board out in the utility scale that are really beneficial, but also these little small niche things that homeowners can also benefit from as well. But uh, hard to speculate as to what those might be. But, you know, th- those are really the big players at the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, I uh, I, I also heard uh, about ideas to cover uh, roads or highways with with uh, photovoltaic panels, so that uh, you know you have the surface, which most of the time is 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 uh, uncovered. It does produce the 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 energy and also wireless recharging of uh, electric vehicles, maybe at some point. That that would be a, a quite quite a cool kind of, maybe. Not so science fiction anymore, because uh, this is, uh, you know, it's it's feasible. It's just whether someone wants to invest in the, in developing it. I guess, I, I guess you look skeptical, Marian. I do, because, you know, as last time I checked uh, the roads, there were some cars and trucks on top of it and uh, creating a surface that would be transparent enough for putting the, the, the photovoltaics beneath it. and. Uh, stable or, or, or durable enough for all these cars, you know, driving over them. Uh, we have we have the materials, and you know, when 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 you talk about uh, about being covered, you know, enough, we're not talking cheap, about M twenty five, which is uh, covered all the time. It's, I'm, I'm, it's no, like, I, I'm not talking about the cars that they put shade. I'm just talking about you know the the pressure. You know, they have some weight. And you put some couple of tones of, and I'm thinking now, you know, in America they have everything bigger than here in Europe: cars, roads, houses, very, very uh, big cars. <laughs> so, 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 so you have a lot of mass. So, so you know, even the asphalt, like it, uh, you know. Go to, go it's to, it's a technical problem. And we're what, doing we're doing visionary leadership. That's technical implementation problems. You know, that would be uh, that's, that's, that's still science fiction. That's, that's their problem. Not I would I, I I would know. I write science fiction. So 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 making Very roads nice. of uh, of uh, of photovoltaics is a science fiction. I would yeah, I would you, argue that the idea of putting them as the roads, yes, you know, you definitely have a lot of wear and tear on those and it might not be as beneficial. I also don't know when you're talking about the coefficients of friction for what you want, if it hypothetically rains or snows or sleets on that solar, uh, you know, are you still using glass? What type of material are you using? I would argue <laughs> it might be more beneficial to actually install it above. So you actually have, you know, protection from the elements as you're driving down, the, down those highways. Plus you could still work out, you know, Arthur, as you're mentioning the idea of this, you know, charging, uh, L- mm-hmm. One of these technologies that's been around for a while, you see those those uh, you know buses with the cable cars touching the cables mm-hmm. in the top yep. and, and getting that electricity. It could be a similar idea, whether that's you know charging via some type of connection or even uh, you know non connected. So it's I think we'll see a lot of different things tried in different areas. Right, you'll have companies come up, they'll raise some seed funding, and they'll say you know we're going to have this section of one mile road and we're going to try all these different things and. You know, see what sticks. Uh, in, I, I think it's going to look a lot different when you go fifty years into the future. In, in 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 Italy, they actually experiment with solar panels along the roads, and they serve as acoustic screens. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how popular they are in uh, in the states, but here in Europe, these acoustic screens are are pretty popular 
to to maybe not in in the UK because they're around M25. It's ten kilometers each side where it's just you know a huge noise. Uh, yeah. But but in some other in in actual European countries they they take care of this acoustic <laughs> pollution. Uh, I moved out of the UK, so now I let myself throw a little pebble there. And, uh, anyway, so, so so yeah, you know you can also put them you know along uh, uh, along the road if there are houses on both on both sides, and it it works well as well. Definitely. Uh, We've we've kind of strayed a bit off topic, but that's that that that's what I like because it is it is kind of it does spark the imagination and uh, you know every everyone is talking these days about ESG and and doing something, but this is photovoltaics. I I think it's it's nice to consider because it's not something that can happen uh, you know at a factory somewhere or or overseas. This is something that everyone can think about in their own home, and I I know that since I moved into a house with photovoltaics on the roof my perception of uh, electricity generation usage it it has changed slightly and it it does bring it kind of home the importance of of doing something about it i think it was very interesting uh, jeff thank you very much uh, you do you have any kind of ma- materials or sources that you could share with the, with our audience uh, or maybe your, your your company has some you know educational publications that uh, they, they they would like to share something something if people wanted to find out more about photovoltaics. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm always big into the education aspect of it, right? And that's how you get the adoption there. Um, once you have something that nobody really understands, and there's been a lot of miscommunication, uh, or you know, a lot of those advertisements online that claim that you know here's free solar and it's. You know, a lot of people are just going to try to make a quick buck off of it. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, the data are there. You understand that solar can work. It can be financially beneficial, um, you know, depending on where the materials are being manufactured and how they're being manufactured and sourced. You know, it's, it definitely can push the you know planet in the direction that we need it to go. Um, I would obviously, you know, just recommend, you know, if anybody's interested, you definitely just check out Sonova's website. Uh, they provide a lot of great information there. Uh, I am biased because I do work for them, uh, but they are a wonderful company. Uh, we're, we're definitely trying to do some wonderful things there. Um, obviously, you know, I, I have my own LinkedIn profile. Uh, so if anybody wanted to, you know, get in touch with me there, uh, I believe it's just Jeffrey M. Ellis. Uh, so you can just check me out on LinkedIn. We I will link it. Definitely. Be, you know, uh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Definitely love to converse with anybody. Uh, like I said, I love the aspect of teaching uh, and educating individuals about solar. So it's it really from the operational and, and data standpoint, you know, obviously data goes a lot into what we do. If it wasn't for those data that we had, we wouldn't be able to do things as quickly or efficiently or as well as we do them. Uh, a lot does go into the operation side of things. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to provide a quality experience for the homeowners who move in, making sure that they're educated, they are able to monitor the system, they get the service they need if it needs to get service. So, you know, really just trying to make sure we can move the planet forward together, basically. Uh, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, it. Uh, I definitely, I, I kind of learned uh, a bit and uh, as usual, let's hope it was of use to someone. Thank you for listening. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll tackle logistics management and automation with our guest, Joseph Sherry, Director of Operations at Halia, a global force in developing highly engineered logistics automation solutions. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out Cognition.llc for more information on Cognition Shared Solutions, our services, 
and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siviak, and my co-host, Artur Buja.